Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. We recently wrapped up the virtual Great Lakes Fishing Show. It was an awesome show with many of the top captains in the Great Lakes appearing I'll be bringing you those conversations over the next few months. Today, we're going to start with Captain Jim Steele from Dreamcatcher Sport Fishing in Dunkirk, New York. Jim discussed TraxTech products and much more. Let's go to the interview. So you guys are busy, busy, busy. It's show season for you. Uh, you've got a lot of things going on, but what we wanted to bring you on tonight was to talk to you about TraxTech, and uh, we'll kind of throw the stage to your way and uh, go ahead and let us have it. All right. Uh, I'm just going to start out with just some of the basic stuff. Um, for anybody that has doesn't know anything about TraxTech, that actually they started making products in 1996, and three of the products that they actually started out were the the Trax, the RRH230, and the Swivel Base, which they're still being manufactured. They've been tweaked over the years. Um, so pretty much getting into the track setup, it's pretty much. Anywhere from a six all the way to um, the 12, 18, 24, 36, uh, 48, and all the way out to a 60. Uh, the groove is actually designed so you don't have to just use the track stack. It'll fit any of the, the major manufacturers. One of the biggest things with the track stack stuff is it's all made in-house, and instead of it being powder-coated, it is anodized, so it's actually even saltwater tested. Everything comes with hardware pack, which is nice because after you buy the stuff, you don't have to worry about running out and picking up your bolts and everything else, which add up. So that's all stainless stuff. So I'm just going to run through some of the basic rod holders, which this is kind of the meat and potatoes rod holder, which was the RRH230. This is the first one that they came out with in 96, pretty much five position with the plunger pin. On the bottom part of it, it actually has 45 degrees, so you can actually set it straight in the track or 45 either direction. <clears throat> and we get into, this is the RH1. The advantage with the RH1 is that it fits in the track like normal. The top part pivots here, you can actually go over more than 180 degrees. And then on the base, this actually swivels 360 degrees so that gives you plenty of options you could actually mount it on to a track system on our on an arch on your gunnel um tons and tons of options with this these are pretty much off off of my boat so these these have been through the through the battle and as you can see they they look pretty good this is kind of the dream rod holder that i was excited about when they first came up with it this is the gt100 this is a ratcheting rod holder um talk about my wife being in the background this is a lifesaver for her because this actually has 17 actually ratcheting positions but if you put it all the way down you actually have 18. so for like your dipsies the, it's a perfect thing because especially on my boat the gunnels being so high she's shorter so a rod goes off with the dipsy and it's pulling hard she can't get it out of the rod holder without feeling like she's going to fall over the side of the boat so what she's able to do is just basically grab the rod holder and ratchet straight up and then pull the rod out. 
that also has the ability to rotate 45 degrees either way. Just kind of running through some of the stuff that I run on my boat. This has been kind of a, one of my lifesavers is I went through the whole horizontal rod holder setup, basically taking a huge footprint. I had four rod holders for my planer boards and that was taking up actually two and a half foot of, of space there. So I was able to basically condense it down to six inch area, has grooves on all on three of the sides so you can actually put accessories on it so like this is my planer board caddy i've got four of the actual this is our rrh 230 basically in the setup where you can basically set them all the way out whichever way you want storage the base actually rotates so you can actually run it for storage straight back. You can tilt it out to the side. This pivots 360 degrees all the way around. Everything locks in the, the tree with the thumb screws. There's been some updates. These are older older ones. There's double thumb screws on the new ones. Um, that's just a few of the, the things. I'm just kind of bits and pieces. Um, it was a game changer. I actually started using Trax Tech, I would say somewhere around 2008. And, uh, I've never used anything else since then, especially made right in Michigan. Everything is done in-house. Uh, the only thing that they outsource is the hardware because stainless hardware, you, you can't manufacture cheap enough. Um, they've actually expanded to the point now they have 150 SKUs. They make over 2,000 components. Uh, an advantage with them is that Jeff actually fishes. He fishes on a tournament team in Michigan. And so he's actually firsthand knowledge, not just somebody that's building fishing stuff that actually doesn't fish. Uh, like I said before, everything is anodized. Um, just like I said, on, on this rod holder, the GT 100, there is actually 24 parts and pieces in this that they actually manufacture all the pieces. So when you're, you're ordering something, don't think that it's something they just throw on a machine and it pops out the finished product. There's 24 pieces that actually have to go into this to actually manufacture it. So that's what you're actually, when you're buying this is, you're buying not just one piece, you're buying multiple pieces that were machined, CNC, everything's, their, their building was 10,000 square feet. They just expanded. So another 10,000 square feet, um, brand new machine that they're gonna get up and running. They have over 200,000 pounds of stock material in-house so they're going to keep manufacturing and, and keep going and going and going uh getting into the downrigger uh jeff bought out vector about 12 13 years ago and basically revamped their downrigger and the rh1 basically tweaked it updated it and it took them two and a half years to basically develop the downrigger that they have which is if anybody's seen it with the push pad with a redundant counter uh, jigging feature, um, pretty much a bulletproof downrigger. Um, that's kind of the, the meat and potatoes of it. I mean, if somebody wants to hear about how I have it set up on my boat, we can get into that. And Jim, I, I got a quick question for you. Uh, you, you showed the tree there yes. and, and you did say that it, it definitely clears up some space on your rail, but is there any kind of fishing advantage to getting those rods vertical and getting them high up off the water 
Yes, especially I I switched over a bunch of years ago from basically their your your traditional big boards. I'm I'm running all inline, so it gives you the ability to basically raise your, your rods off the water, and we can actually run them all at the same degree arc. So when you're actually on the water, you can look off to the side and actually see all the tips. They should all be in uniform. If they're not, something's happening. Either weeds, tangle, which hopefully not. Um, if you got a hanger that's a smaller fish that's on there or non-target or something like that. But you can you can basically you can you can see a lot more of the actual rod action because they're side by side. I mean planer boards, it's pretty much a given, run all the same rods, same action, same backbone, so you can actually see what's what's different that's happening as you're going along. All right. Uh, we got a good question here from Bill. Bill wants to know uh, if he's got a boat with a thinner gunnel, would you recommend a plywood backer underneath? Um, on some of the smaller tracks, you can actually get an aluminum backer that you can stick up underneath it. Um, I know guys that have put plywood, you can put starboard. Uh, I would definitely... Uh, I would definitely put a backer on it if you if you don't have any real thickness to them. I mean, on my Tira, my Grady White, and everything that I had, and before that I had some aluminums, I, I put basically the backing plate underneath it, or at least try to get some big fender washers up in there. I, to me, I'm, I'm one of those things I'd rather have more than less, even if you, the, the bigger the track, the longer it is, the more it's going to distribute the actual the, the weight distribution when it's pulling, you, you really won't actually understand how much force there is. And I mean, when you, you go pull a dipsy rod out of the rod holder, now picture you have that four rods hanging in a, in a tree that's four foot off your gunnel. So I would definitely, I would definitely do some kind of a backer. Um, but the longer the track you have, the more it's going to distribute the, the weight along it. All right. Uh, I know, I know you're not based in the factory there, but, uh, you know, we've had problems. There's been a lot of companies having problems keeping things in inventory. Getting a couple questions about that. You said that they're expanding their operations. Uh, do you know, I know a lot of people are asking about when when those things are going to still be in stock. I saw there's a few questions about trees, things like that. Um, I can tell you, I actually spoke with Jeff earlier today, and they are full-out manufacturing as, as best that they can. They have a good stockpile of tracks. Their, their main things, which is especially me going into <clears throat> doing a couple shows is I wanted to know how's it looking for tracks? How's it looking for, for rod holders and how's it looking for trees? Because that's kind of our mainstay with what people are looking for, especially setting up a brand new boat. Um, they're trying to pump it out as, as fast as they can. Uh, kind of the buffer that, that they've been saying is, is six weeks, pretty much figure if it's something that's not in stock, figure six weeks. But I can tell you from experience, the six weeks has been four days, and it's been six weeks. So I mean, if you're if you're in the market for something, you you better get on it and you get to it. And they're gonna try their hardest to to get it going. They're like I spoke to him at at five o'clock, and they were at no point thinking about even quitting for the day at that point. So Jeff and Millie love they they live this. This is this is their thing. So. They're, they're going to keep pushing as hard as they can. They have the material. That's one of the biggest problems with what we've seen, especially with trying to get any kind of product, is not having the actual stock material to build from. And, and they've got a pretty good stockpile. They've been staying on top of it. They've been stocking up ahead of time. There's pretty much raw material six months out. So like Jeff told me today that he has over 200,000 pounds of of material sitting on the floor so he's they're going to keep manufacturing the machines are running non-stop 
as soon as the parts get get machined, they start putting them together. Like I said, so you have to people have to understand that it's it's not an instant thing for a rod holder because like that GT100, it's 24 pieces and they make usually 2,000 of those pieces at a time to do a run. So it's not going to happen overnight, but the final product is what you're going to get. The, the quality of it, the uh, Jeff is meticulous with, with basically all how the tolerances are and everything. So you, you're definitely, you're, you're getting beyond your money's worth when it, when it comes to them. Yeah, we, we, we've lived it firsthand too. It's, uh, the, the challenges right now, they're, they're real. And, uh, and sometimes there's not fast solutions or not maybe the answers we want to hear, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you uh, guys have gone through it where you're, you're waiting and waiting and I mean, yeah, no, we have and, and, and trust there's nothing, there's nothing more frustrating to us than not filling orders. Uh, but uh, yeah. there is things are improving, you know, so it's, all right, Randy's got a question over on Facebook. He said he just ordered a complete set of some five-foot tracks with cutouts. Should he cap both ends of the track or leave the front end open? Uh, personal preference, I, I've got guys that basically don't put the end caps on them. Um, on mine, I, I run end caps. It's extra security system, and even, even all my stuff stays on the boat down at the marina. So it's one more thing that somebody had to take apart that, with the cutout, it's, I mean, people can slide stuff off in between, but I, I like the finish of the end caps. I like the extra security. If, if something does happen, it, the thumb screws rattle or something like that. And then it starts working its way down the, the track. And next thing you look over and you're, you're missing one of these pieces that you just spent time and money waiting for. So cap them and then you'll keep them. Yep. <laughs> Gap them if you want to keep them. Gap, gap. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're starting to run out of gas tonight. Uh, Donnie would like to know, uh, how do you find an outside fish in a three-planer board spread? Basically, uh, let that board um, on the inlines, pretty much the resistance of the fish actually makes that board walk across towards the middle. You got to kind of let it do, it do its thing. And if it won't do it on its own, you can actually cut a – kind of release the bail a little bit, put your thumb on it and kind of feed it over. You'll get it to drop behind the boat, come right up the middle. Uh, I mean, Chris has seen it firsthand and, and then the ability where you can put that board right back out to the outside with the inlines. That was one of the biggest things with the speed and repetitiveness of, of basically clearing lines, getting them out, getting them in. Um, basically one that, that drag of the fish hitting that, that bait actually takes the side, planing out of it and it'll actually pull the, the board to the center of of your boat so then you can reel it right up the middle all right last question of the show is going to be uh what show are you working this weekend from thomas it is actually the erie promotions it is the it's an erie pa um rv and sports show, RV and sports show which is actually friday saturday sunday all right, we've been talking about tracks tech. We've been talking about Dreamcatcher, but uh, you know you've got a you've got a shop too, and that's where you're going to the show with. That's Innovative Outdoors. Tell us a little bit about that. So that just kind of started out um, as one of the things. Some of the companies that we were dealing with, um, we actually started selling some of their products, and we actually started getting into 
things that we we used and we couldn't get access to so then it became uh kind of a goal that we started selling the things that we run and i've had companies come to me and tell me you need to sell our product and and i'll tell them straight out we'll run it for a season and if it does everything that you want it to that you say it will then we'll start selling it so we don't sell any of the lower end reels because i i stand behind everything i say i I'd rather have you spend a little bit more money and come back to me and say you were right about that and say, yeah, you sold me a piece of junk. So, I mean, and so we kind of stick with just the core things and that's what we sell. We have an online store. Um, like I said, we do the shows and then that's turned into we run a, a tournament. We've actually developed into a tournament series because we do the, the weight scales for all the Eastern Lake Erie walleye tournaments and derbies. Um I'm actually vice president of the Eastern Lake Erie Charter Boat Association. We started Experience New York Outdoors TV show. That's taken off locally, and we actually do some digital streaming. So, yeah, pretty busy, but it's kind of self-inflicted. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Uh, I had a question just pop up about the uh, URL. It's got an S in it, so if you're not getting it by where you type in, check out that T-R-A-X-S-T-E-C-H.com. That's how you're going to find it. Jim, another thing that, that you do uh, along with your wife and your, your awesome team you got there, uh, you guys have a television show. Tell yeah. us about the TV show. So that just started out uh, a couple friends of ours, and we had been pretty much doing some basic filming. And one of our friends, he was actually involved with another group a couple of years ago. And uh, kind of we had the logistics side of it with the business and the charters, and he actually runs a charter. And we kind of kicked it around for a year and decided – we're going to go for it. And what it does is actually experience New York outdoors. And we actually air on three, three stations locally, which actually covers all the way into Canada, into Pennsylvania, but mostly all New York, Elmira, Rochester, and everything else that airs uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then we actually do the YouTube stuff and then it actually streams on um, the hunt channel. So on the TV shows, we've, we've actually had, 35,000 local viewers that have been viewing it. And then we've had between eight and 14 million hits on the hunt channel. So it's taken right off. We, we cover hunting, fishing, mostly predominantly fishing because myself and Cody, we're both charter captains. We fish a lot of tournaments. We've got a lot of friends that do all that stuff. So that's kind of the mainstay we do when we're not fishing, we're hunting. And then we got into kind of like the things that happened in New York. We've done maple syrup. We've done, um, bunch of different stuff we went up to the like tupper lake and during lake placid and all that stuff like that kind of just showcasing what new york has and then we go out of the area a little bit kind of realistic type hunting or fishing or, or stuff like that that somebody from new york would actually do and so we've been having fun with that but i mean it, it makes everything pretty uh pretty tight when it comes to time yeah, you're you're busy. You're a retired guy, but it's not like you're retired. You're always doing stuff. So, uh, again, appreciate you coming on the show and appreciate you having us out there uh, this last summer. It was a good time out on the boat with you and and just uh, enjoying Lake Erie. Yeah, it was it was a great time. I'm looking forward to you guys coming out. Got to get got to get your partner in crime over there to. Yeah, they they don't they don't let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Captain Jim Steele from Dreamcatcher Sport Fishing. Uh, thanks for anchoring the, the end of the show. You're the last guest. You have a great night. You too. Take care. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. 
For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.